Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Fears Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. I'm talking with women who are sharing their experiences and what they've learned. We're talking about where they're taking action, where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, and how they're using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. Because every woman of God has a fierce calling, and everybody has a story. So let's tell them to glorify God and share what we know. And I hope this podcast inspires, encourages, and challenges other women to step out of their doubt, walk in their fierce calling, and use their God-given gifts to impact the world. In today's episode, Telling Stories, Changing Stories, I'm talking with my friend Ronnie Rock. Ronnie is a storyteller who tells stories that change the stories of others. Ronnie offers battle-tested wisdom about leadership, advocacy marketing, and finding God in the most beautiful and painful circumstances. Hear all about the book, One Woman Can Change the World, Reclaiming Your God-Designed Influence and Impact Right Where You Are. I know what Ronnie has to say today is going to inspire, encourage, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Ronnie Rock. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome my friend, Ronnie Rock. She's an award-winning marketing executive who travels around the world to gather words and images that inspires others to action with Orphan Outreach, a global nonprofit dedicated to serving the orphaned and vulnerable. She is an author of One Woman Can Change the World, Reclaiming Your God-Designed Influence and Impact Right Where You Are, and most importantly, she's a child of God. Welcome to the show, Ronnie. It's so good to have you. I'm glad to be here. It is a glorious day. Thank you. It is. It's the day the Lord has made, right? And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I love your name, Ronnie Rock. That is awesome. (laughs) And I love that your name is actually Veronica, right? It is. And Veronica was my mom's favorite actress. Uh, So I was named after Veronica Lake. And then in eighth grade, got the name Ronnie and it stuck. Mm -hmm. And then when I married my husband, Bradley, and he gave me the last name Rock. I mean, it was, it kind of sealed the deal at that point. And it's funny yeah. because most people will just say it as one word. They'll go, Ronnie Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a match made in heaven right there. Veronica is close to my heart too, because that was my Grandma Rita's middle name. I would love it if you would go ahead and share a little bit about your story and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Oh gosh, well, we could just be here for hours because I'm, I'm, I'm a long talker. Um, you know, I will tell you that I did not grow up in a faith setting in my own home. I did have a wonderful heritage of faith on both sides of my family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, but my family, the little group that lived inside the home in Oklahoma City, was that was not the case for us. My parents um, had a it was a volatile relationship. It was a very troubled home. We attended church until maybe I was five or so, and then church got in the way of things, uh, of, of life. And so my parents stopped attending church. 
I knew that there was something about church. I honestly thought that it was something about that physical building that just made you feel special when you went. And so I hitched rides with friends. So I would be at a mass one Sunday morning and I might be at like a hyper charismatic fallen in the aisles church the next Sunday morning and then Baptist church, church of Christ. So I, I, I got to experience this wide variety of denominational points of view and how they saw Christ and how they saw worship of Christ definitely at the center was always Jesus. Mm. But it was not until the day after my 21st birthday that I fell headlong into his arms. And when I say that, I literally ran down the aisle. I happened to be living at the time with some other women, being pretty successful in my um, early 20s with work and those things. And a woman moved in with us who had, she had fled an abusive marriage. She was with us and she wanted to go to church and she wanted to know if anybody wanted to go with her. And being the benevolent soul that I was, Mm -hmm. I was like, fine, I'll go with you. (laughs) I had no intention of really caring about it. I was just trying to be a kind person to her. Mm -hmm. And through that, started attending a church that shared the absolute love and constant fidelity of the Lord. And so I remember a day after my 21st birthday, we got, I was like, are we going? She goes, are you serious? You just celebrated your birthday. You want to get up? I go, yeah, I think I want to go to church. And I went and I could not tell you much of what went on. I just know that the sermon said, are you going to be a spectator or a participator? Mm. And like so many people will say about sermons in that moment, everything else fell away. It felt like it was just a personal conversation that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I was the person that was being spoken to. We left church that morning. I could not wait to get back. Had not attended a church on a Sunday evening, but I was like, we have to go back. We have to go back. And we went, and I have no idea what was talked about that night. That was a church that had a traditional altar call mm-hmm. at the end. And I didn't know enough to know that faith in Christ can be born in a living room or a bedroom or a yard. I thought that there literally was like this physical something that you had to do to go down that aisle. And so I was poised and I hauled down that aisle to get there and to say that I had fallen in love with Jesus. And that began certainly a long journey And not an easy journey, I will tell you. And as you and I were just chatting before the podcast, I think so often we reduce faith in Christ to easy prescriptive scriptures that we give to somebody like, oh, you've got worry, here's a scripture. Oh, you've got pain, here's a scripture. Oh, you're sick, here's a scripture. And that is not the relational beauty of the cross. And so I walked through a lot. I had a lot of pain. Remember, I talked about I had a troubled home. Mm -hmm. And so there were some abuses that I had to walk through. I had had abuse at the hands of men that I was supposed to trust. And so while I saw Jesus as this beautiful savior figure, the idea of Father God to me was weird. And when somebody would say, oh, honey, just think about your own dad. That's how much God loves you. And I thought, 
my dad was an alcoholic and a, a prescription drug addict who cursed at me. If that's God, if that's the picture of God, then I don't want anything to do with that God. So even my walk as a Christ follower also involved healing in my own heart to see God's redefining for me of what fatherhood looked like and what love looked like. So again, not been an easy road. In my book, I talk about some of the thorny things that happened. I talk about um, leaving school, getting married, then leaving a, a, a very troubled marriage, becoming a single parent, and then later meeting Bradley Kay, who gave me the last name Rock. In mm-hmm. every piece of that, and I want anybody who's listening to this podcast to remember every piece of your journey, I promise you, it's not, and, and this is not a platitude, even though oftentimes it sounds like a platitude, but every piece of your journey is a piece of a redemptive story. And it is a part of the story that will not just impact your life and the life of those near you, but can change the story of somebody else. Mm. Thank and you for that, sharing and, that. And that's just how, that is the beautiful honesty mm-hmm. of following Jesus. Yeah, that is so real. And thank you for bearing your heart there because there are so many people who have struggled with seeing that God, our father is a good father because of their experiences with a difficult relationship with their own father or stepfather or father figure Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe took advantage of them and wasn't Mm -hmm. the father that God designed us to have on earth, Mm -hmm. which is so difficult. But I, I love how you also brought out that you were able to love Jesus and see his goodness and know he was the one to turn to who saved you. And yet you still had that struggle with the father and, and how often too, we have to stop and think about the things that we say to other people, mm-hmm. which can really be insensitive when we don't mean it to be, but we have no idea, you know, so to let the Lord and, you know, let the spirit lead us into how we minister and what we say to people Mm -hmm. rather than like you say, just give them a prescription because it doesn't really work like that. And I do love how you shared that about uh, the fact that you are a storyteller and you were designed to tell stories that change stories. And that kind of came out right there. So Mm -hmm. love that. Tell us a little bit about your book and how that came about and all of those things. Well, sure. In this long journey, I had been in the professional setting or corporate setting of marketing and then had done a flip into the nonprofit side and still from and always from a marketing perspective. So in walking this road on the nonprofit side, wrote a lot of stories and they were stories that always had a call to action. That was something I was very comfortable with. And I um, had the opportunity and still have the opportunity or will once again, one day have the opportunity. I do travel globally with orphan outreach. And I had, I don't know, it was, you know how you just feel that thing in you that's like a little nudge that says, hey, hey, I need you to listen. 
there's something I'd like for you to do. There's a step I want you to take. There's a step of boldness I want you to take. I had traveled. It was for a whole month. I had gone to three different countries, had written all these stories, had taken teams with me to do ministry. And I had really prayed before I left. I was like, oh God, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be doing all these things. Will you please help me understand a personal purpose in all this? Not just that I'm going to write stories, not just that I'm going to encourage people to sponsor a child or to serve or those things, but is there something more? And I came back from that trip feeling like I had just failed. And especially because there was a woman that I had met a couple of years prior and she was in Jamaica, a woman named Mary. And Miss Mary, she's feisty. In fact, mm-hmm. you're, the title of this podcast, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, Miss Mary would just, if you needed a picture for Fierce Calling, that'd be Miss Mary. She <laughs> was this feisty woman who was unafraid to stand up to people who demonized the deaf mm. and the hard of hearing. That's where she worked, was at a school for the deaf mm-hmm. and in a country that a lot of folks saw a deaf child as being demon possessed or less than human. Mm-hmm. And so she was passionate about Jesus. She was going to do everything she could to take care of these kids. And so I had just fallen in absolute love with her. And so we were sitting, we, I was sitting and I was watching as women were building with cinder block and concrete. I'm taking some notes, looking at, oh, it's just so beautiful, pondering what God is doing. And all of a sudden I get this tap on my shoulder and it's Miss Mary. And she goes, where's your book? I go, what book? Mm-hmm. She goes, I thought you'd have a book for me. And I said, oh, Miss Mary, did I tell you that I was going to write a book? When did I tell you I was going to write a book? Oh, Miss Mary you know, I'm hell will freeze over Miss Mary before I write a book. I write stories. I don't have 50,000 of anything in me. I write little stories. I write captions. The closest I had come to even saying I was going to write a book was a mock obituary that I had written as an assignment about a year prior uh, when we said, oh, if Time Magazine wrote an article about you, what would it say? And I thought, oh, I'm just going to go big. So it was full of stuff. None of it was real, but I'd like, oh, if they're going to say something about me, I want it to be cool and it'll probably have to be an obituary. So here's what it's going to say. What's funny is that now I look back and everything that I had written that I had joked about is real now. Wow. So so prophetic. That's that's God getting the last laugh. But Miss Mary, Miss Mary goes, I'm waiting. What are you waiting on? People need to hear our story. So I came home, I was just like overwhelmed thinking, what does she mean? People need to hear a story. Do people need to hear a story about the Jamaican school for the deaf? I know Miss Mary wants to build a college. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just write a story about the school for the deaf. And then I sat and I started realizing that with the, with very rare exception, every ministry that I had worked at and had visited and all of these leaders that I had met were all women. And I went, oh. Maybe I'll just write a book. That's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll write a bunch of stories about women. And then that, that, that book can then raise money for Miss Mary. <laughs> that was my original plan. And that's what I thought because as a marketing person, that was something I could wrap my head around. God had a completely different idea. And that was way back when, like in 2014, when that inkling first started. Mm-hmm. And initially, I thought it would just be a compilation of stories with me, maybe as your lovely tour guide, 
that would tell you about the countries. Mm -hmm. um, but then God, as he so kindly does, in quiet, with tears, with me saying, oh, I can't even write a story that anybody's going to care about, helped me to remember all of the ways that my life had changed, mm -hmm. not because I had visited the women, because of the impact the women had on my life and how different that impact was from much of what I had heard about leadership in the United States when it came to women. Yeah. Because here in the U.S., so often we as women are told that we have to have a huge platform and a big voice and in many ways that we need to become almost androgynous in our approach because if we allow femininity to be expressed in its fullness, as it was expressed in Genesis 1, then sometimes we are viewed as too emotional or too this or not enough that. But these women didn't have that problem. They were just living life. Yeah. And none of them were changing the world around them because as children, they had said, you know what I'm going to be when I grow up? I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to go to school, and then I'm going to work on my social media platform, and then I'm going to do all this. They saw a need. They saw a gap. They saw a break and said, I'm going to take that first step, and I'm going to, to walk into that life and be present in that life, and I'm going to fill the space that I have been, that's in front of me. I'm just going to fill it to the full. Mm. And I again, started thinking about what are the qualities that these women have taught me that have helped me to see what it really does mean to lead, not to have a title, not to have a lot of letters behind our name, mm -hmm. not to have the things that often we view as being strong leaders. Yeah. All of those things are beautiful, but are those things requisite in order for us to lead out? No, that's what the book became. And that's what people read now is that the book is truly, I say it is a leadership book or it's a book about leadership, but it's not a traditional leadership book. It's mm -hmm. not a three-step solution book. It is not a do these 10 things and you will prosper book. Yeah. It is, here is what God has said about you. This is how he designed you. And again, in Genesis 1, this is when he created humanity, man and woman. He said it was very good and he delights in us. And then to look at how he shapes the qualities in a woman that make us uniquely qualified to lead in unique ways and not in ways that confront or in opposition to what men do, but truly in ways that if we are men and women, working together with Christ at the center and not worried about competition, how we actually can work well together. So it's also, and I, it's been interesting because the, the title's bold, man, that's a bold title. One woman can change the world. Yeah. So I've, I've had some folks think, oh yeah, it's like a crush the patriarchy book. And like, <laughs> it's not, you know what? Cause I'm not going to focus on that. I'm focusing yeah. on you. I'm going to focus on God's purpose. And his purpose is you. Yeah. His purpose is you. He delights in you. He did not create you because he had nothing else to do. He didn't create you because he was lonely. He mm -hmm. created you 
because he delights in you. And we as image bearers have this incredible DNA living in us, spiritual DNA, emotional DNA, Mm -hmm. physical DNA that he has crafted in a woman makes us unique to lead. Wow, Ronnie. I did not bring my tissues to this, but I should have, because I'm like, okay, if you hear me sniffling, that is so powerful. I love everything about that because it just describes the fierce calling. Mm-hmm. It is like, you know, where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, you're not sitting back waiting for permission from the world mm-hmm. to say, you're qualified. You're saying, I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. He equips me. It just reminds me, we have such similar hearts because I wrote an article one time for Just Between Us magazine, and it was about stepping out of your doubt and into your calling, and that we don't have to look at leadership as leading with an iron fist. And oftentimes in the corporate world, if we're leading in a certain style or we're not like that, where we're wanting to like climb the ladder and step on everybody on the way up. You know, we're viewed as weak, mm-hmm. but these are strengths mm-hmm. that God has given us as women. And I love that. And that's how, when you were first explaining it, the fears calling starts because it is amazing to me. And I cannot tell you how many women I've talked to on the podcast and beyond that have said, I never aspired to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes when you're a little girl and you're like, well, I was just talking about this with my daughter too, because she's a nurse. And she said, you know, I hear my friends that are nurses and they said, oh, I used to dress up as a nurse when I was little. And, but she never aspired to be a nurse, but that's their direction God took her in. Mm-hmm. And she even is surprised to this day that she's a nurse and she loves it. And she's called to that. But, you know, you did not aspire to write this book, but Mm-mm. God used, used Miss Mary and all of these other things in your life to say, Ronnie, you're going to write this book the way I've designed you to write it and the words I want you to say. And of course, he's given you this marketing Mm -hmm. talent and these skills, which are all encompassed in that. Mm -hmm. And you use that, but it wasn't necessarily the idea that you originally had. It came out different. It It wasn't at all. And I laughed too, because even Miss Mary, the one that was like, and first I thought she wanted me to write a book again about the school. What I see now is that she was really prophetically speaking into it's time to write a book about women. But I laugh because Miss Mary will tell you that the Jamaican school for the deaf reached out to her because she was an educator three hours away from that school. And they reached out to her and said, we would love for you to come and help be one of the directors. Mm -hmm. She went there to prove to them that she was not the woman for the job and left 22 years later. Whoa. <laughs> finally retired. And that was, and talk about the, a strength that I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. She left her, her home and would go there three hours away and live on campus and work while at the same time being a wife and a mom, continuing to pour into her family at a distance, mm-hmm. things that we would go, oh, God would never call you to do that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, you know, let's just not put him in a box. So often, though, we do put God in a box or we define what good ministry looks like or things. Mm-hmm. I talk about Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. in the book and about the Proverbs 31 woman 
and how oftentimes we can use those scriptures and they become an indictment against women because we think in order to be the perfect woman, I'm looking at this and if it becomes a checklist yeah. of what a great woman looks like, then it is, well, let's see, I've got to be married and I need to have kids and I need to have a home business, but I need to be really comfortable in traveling. And then I, gosh, it sounds like I actually kind of have to weave my own sheets to put on the bed. So I better be a great homemaker. Yeah, I'm a trailer. <laughs> and I need to be a great negotiator. And so this list, half the women in this book are single. Wow. They don't all have kids. They don't have husbands. They don't have cottage industries. Yeah. And I would stack them all up and say, Proverbs 31 represents them. Because if you look at Proverbs 31 in its entirety, what you find is that it is King Lemuel talking about what his mama taught him about leadership. Mm. His mom was teaching him how to be a good king and how to truly lead well by caring for others and by being wise in seasons of plenty. So in times of scarcity, folks wouldn't have to worry. Yeah. And not being a hard driving, judgmental, rising and standing for justice. Well, then she flips it and all of a sudden leadership takes on. Yeah. The presence of a woman. So you start looking at it from that, not in this literal, I have to be married and I have to, have, I can't just have one kid. Yeah. I better have a whole pastel and I have to do all these things. But you start looking at the qualities that that woman exhibits. It sets you free because you're like, oh, wow, I do have leadership qualities in me. They are in me. Whether I am leading in a corporation or I am leading at home or I am leading at school or at church or with my kids or with my friends. Yeah. Those qualities exist and I don't have to freak out all the time about it. Um, I say that the book provides real hope for purpose weary warriors mm. because I think so often in the U S in particular, cause that's where I live, even though I travel everywhere yeah. I'm still, I'm still a chick living in the U S born and raised here. Yes. And so my perspective is here and the pressure that we have to perform here and how success is viewed here can really then be pushed into the church to where we think that God's purpose has to be the job that we have or the place that we live. When again, his purpose is us in relationship with him in thriving in that and living our life fully. And not being so trapped in, if I don't hit the mark, that target with this laser accuracy, somehow I will live the rest of my life like in, my, in the almost not quite perfect will of yeah. God. When he never says that in scripture, he just says to love him, trust him, hold his hand. Yes. Right? Absolutely right. I love that you brought up the Proverbs 31 woman because we aspire to be that. But just like Jesus spoke in parables, he wanted to give an image, like a, an overview, a picture of what a godly woman is. And that is that she is called to just love God and follow his lead and whatever he has for her. Because like, you know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he has plans for us. They don't all look the same. Like you said, maybe a woman is not going to give birth to children and be a biological mom, but she's going to be called to be 
the mom to orphans or things that, you know, that she is called to do or fostering, or, you know, it may look totally different than what we see it as mm-hmm. looking and nothing is right or wrong. And we have to be so countercultural because the culture that we're in gives such a different, really wrong message to women and our girls mm-hmm. that we're raising, right? You know, the girls that we're responsible also to lead as in Titus too, you know, we're to minister and mm-hmm. lead and disciple young women and they need to hear the truth. And if you are, if you are young and you're listening to the podcast, I just want to tell you on behalf of women that are older, I apologize to you. I apologize that we have let you down, mm. that we have not been around to mentor you and to love you well. And in our efforts to encourage you to go out there and do it all. We have abandoned walking that road with you. So mm. I apologize for that. I know that there are several other women that I talk to that are all feeling just a real strong nudge to, to mentor more. Yeah. And so I, but I, again, I just hope you all accept our apology because we've, we've let you down. Thank we have you. Let you down here, here. I agree totally with that statement. And because too, we fall and pray to those things ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we want to be really real, like I know you have a heart to be real and not to like hide our struggles because God doesn't hide struggles in the Bible. No. You know, he told all the good, bad, and the ugly so that we can see this is real stuff and mm-hmm. we need to run to him. And I love the visual that you gave early on in the show when you said that you literally ran down the aisle because we talk so much about the come to Jesus moment. We need to run to Jesus. We need mm-hmm. to have those run to Jesus moments all the time. You know, we need to just be who he's called us to be, but mm-hmm. to remember our first love. Mm-hmm. We forget that so much. So mm-hmm. tell us about the orphan outreach. Is that, oh. that's amazing. Sure. Orphan outreach is, it's a global nonprofit and we do focus on care for children who are orphaned, legitimately orphaned, mm-hmm. also socially orphaned. Cause there is a difference. A lot of times children are considered social orphans. Those are children very similar if you look in our foster care system in the U.S. They are children that for a season may need to be separated from a familial environment because Mm of a variety of reasons. And so it's not that a parent has passed away. It is that there needs to be sanctuary for that child Mm -hmm. in a season while healing takes place. That's the ultimate prayer that you have. So that yeah. family can be reunited. And then also children who are in vulnerable situations where the family is trying, but a variety of reasons could be coming against that family that could then separate that family. So we work there. We work in Latin America, Eastern Europe, Africa, and Asia. And we really focus on the full scope of care. So starting first, with trying everything we can to preserve family and to promote family. Mm -hmm. So for example, in Honduras, we have a foster care program that we've worked with the government to create a privatized foster care Mm -hmm. that provides complete wraparound care for families as they walk the road of foster and foster to adopt. We also then work in the countries in those vulnerable communities to do what we can to keep those kids and their families safe. We know that the scripture is always number one. The gospel 
is always the focus. We elevate the name of Christ, but we also know that the gospel alone, without the importance of caring for your life here and now, Mm. with practical things like nutrition and education, things that will wrap around a family and elevate a community out of poverty. Those are important things. We do work in some residential care settings, providing the care that we can, providing counseling and social workers that help to bring healing so those kids can grow to be independent, Christ-loving adults. Mm -hmm. And then all the way to, we provide adoption grants for families when the opportunity presents itself for a forever family to be born. So that's what we do. I am really proud of the fact that a portion of the proceeds from the book will support orphan outreach because a lot of the women that you meet in the book, I met because of the work that I've done for the past six years with orphan outreach, Mm -hmm. or I should say six years um, as engagement manager, but prior to that as a volunteer and a freelance writer They gave me, they opened that door to let me meet a lot of women that you get to meet and they elevate women in leadership. So I'm honored that I get to take a portion of royalties and I get to reinvest that in those lives. Mm -hmm. So even by buying the book, you are helping to change the world around you, which it just makes me happy. But there, I, you could go to orphanoutreach.org and learn a whole lot more about the organization, learn about sponsorship, learn about partnership, learn about everything that we're doing actually in this season mm-hmm. as the pandemic's relentless force continues globally. We yes. see what happens here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It is still impacting and especially vulnerable countries are being significantly impacted. So you'll see what we're doing right now to care for children and families. Beautiful. That reminds me of that scripture, how beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. And not only, I mean, you're sharing the gospel, but part of the gospel message is we need to care for orphans and widows. We need to help provide for needs for the poor. We need to be benevolent and care for these and love these people. Think about when Jesus said, who would be those who knew him, Mm. that really knew him? And he likened it and said, when you've cared for me, and it wasn't when you've cared for me in some past tense or future tense, he wrapped himself in the flesh of the poor, wrapped himself in the flesh of the vulnerable, wrapped himself actually in the flesh of those that we might even consider to be at odds with us mm-hmm. and said, a cup of water, a good meal, a heartfelt prayer, not just a pat on the back and be, and good luck to you. Yeah. And we're going to so, meet the physical needs yeah. and spiritual needs. We take teams on trips. They're trained mm-hmm. so they understand how to come alongside local pastors and local ministers. Mm-hmm. We do have boots on the ground staff, national staff in every country we serve because it's not about us coming to the, from the U.S. to change the world, right? Yeah. It is about elevating people and allowing countries and allowing those who live in those countries who know best how to serve yeah. and us then coming to serve them. But yeah, I, there's nothing I love more when I'm on a trip and getting to see my sponsor children and getting mm-hmm. to see how they're doing, writing letters to them. One of my sponsor girls just 
she graduated from high school. She was just accepted into university. We're praying through that right now. Yeah. Even though I can't physically be with her, she is in India. We still get to write letters back and forth. And so that is, it is a personal connection. Whether if you get to meet them in person, that's awesome. If you don't, sponsorship means so much to the kids. Mm -hmm. They know that somebody has their back. Yeah. So whether it's with Orphan Outreach or through your church, whatever, man, sponsorship works. It really works. Yeah. And I love because it plants those seeds and it grows relationship. And then when you hear the stories, like I remember seeing a video when we were, I think it was at our church when we were doing the Operation Christmas Child. And you hear the stories of these adults that have grown up that had once received that shoebox. We just have no idea what God will do to impact these lives and how it multiplies and for generations continues just by something we think is a simple one-step action, or like you say, giving, praying. And I love that you brought this out because I had not heard of Orphan Outreach. And that's why I love on this podcast that we can bring these resources to light that a lot of people have never heard of. A lot of, a lot of women are going, well, I'd love to, do, I feel called to do this or that, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to plug in. I don't know how to get involved. And so we can offer those things. And, mm-hmm. and I love how you talk about how this is part of our DNA. Oftentimes, like when I speak at a women's event for Christmas, I say sometimes we get confused and think that DNA stands for Director of Navigating Amazing. And that is not our job, okay? <laughs> I love that. that yes, it's incredible. Yeah, it's not our job. So I love that you talked about it. You know, it's our spiritual DNA, our physical DNA is all entwined. And I love that you are blessed when you receive those notes mm-hmm. from people that take the time to say, you know what? These words impacted my life. These words changed me or caused me to take some kind of action. Because it's just God's way of encouraging and saying, this was, in fact, my call for you. And it affirms that it is his call and what he is doing. Because we know it's not, it's not us. Mm-hmm. You know, it is him. And so giving him the glory. I love that, Ronnie. So how can my listener connect with you? I am probably most active on Instagram and it is Ronnie Rock. And that is, it's spelled strangely. It's R-O-N-N-E-R-O-C-K. But I'm probably most active there. I also, I do have a Facebook author page that folks can follow. They can also connect with me on my website, which is RonnieRock.com. And if you misspell it, Nat and I, it's okay. I have that one too. And it'll just redirect you right where you need to go. That's a marketing brain for you, right? (laughs) Yeah. But they can read more stories. I also, and I hope it always stays this way. If somebody does email me, if they message me, I want to respond. I'm a, I, I, I'm a self-proclaimed long road walker. Mm. I find joy and am finding greater joy all the time in walking the road with women, not to come up with all of the answers, but to provide that encouragement. You probably won't, you won't get pity from me. I will, I'm an encourager. And yeah. my number one gift is exhortation. So I will provide encouragement, ask questions, those kind of things. I don't have a 
a set list. The actually the only list of questions that you'll find is actually on my website. Mm-hmm. And it's 15 questions that you can ask yourself as you start to discover your design. Yeah. But what it does is it really just provides some little bit of self-discovery just to mm-hmm. remind yourself of the spiritual gifts that you've been given, things that you dreamed about as a child, those yeah. kind of questions that I will tell you, I did them and actually just redid them. Wow. As I have learned that this path of ministry to women and on behalf of women is something that is growing stronger in me. Mm-hmm. And this desire to amplify the voices of women is yes. stronger and stronger in me. So yeah. I went back and asked myself those questions. Look at my original answers, what I said to see where those inklings were. And um, so I encourage you, get the, get the download, but message or email me. It's fine. I'll be more than happy to probably won't have answers for you, but you know what? <laughs> I've got listening ears and broad yet bony shoulders. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I love the fact that you say, you're not going to get pity from me, but it's going to be a listening ear. We have wisdom from the Lord mm-hmm. and it's whatever that particular person needs to hear. We trust that the Holy Spirit will give us the words mm-hmm. and you're so right. Our season's will change and things about our calling will change over time, depending on the season that we're in. So I love that. And my top gift is exhortation too. So I know we have that connection. (laughs) This show has brought me so much joy and I know that it will encourage the listener so much. And I also love that you are a Gigi. I am a Gigi. I, yes. And you know what? Being a Gigi is so much fun. And I will say those folks are like, oh, it's so much fun because you spoil those grandkids and then you send them home. (laughs) Can I tell you a deep, dark secret? Yes. The most delightful part about being a grandparent isn't that you get to spoil them and send them home. It's that you get another opportunity to pour into the life of a child with the wisdom that brings that comfort because you're like, oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Cause you, you are down the road and you're like, it's, it's all good. It's all good, baby. It's all good. Come on. Yeah. It's, just keep walking. And nothing is more beautiful than watching your kid become a parent. Yes. And yes. To watch them raise a child and to see where God has woven into their lives and mm-hmm. to see how they're doing it. That is part of heritage. Yeah. And to see where they're doing it, where new traditions are being born and and all the ways that you can still learn from them. Yes. It's glorious. It is glorious. And I'm a gammy. I'm gammy. But I love that too, because we can speak into their lives and support them and encourage them. And all of that, that you said, I love that. I love when we ride them some, like if I can ride them to school or something or, you know, somewhere it's like a captive audience and we have the most amazing conversations mm-hmm. in the car. You know, it's so, it's so amazing. And I love also, also have that. conversations with them that you would have been afraid to have had with your own kids when you're like, oh, I don't know, should yeah. I say this? And there is something when you're, there's just, um, you yeah. just get to have a little, the conversations are a little more free. You listen. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, just, it's a blast. It's very it sweet. And I love how you say, you know, watching your parents be parents, because I just filled out a questionnaire for a podcast that I'm going to be on as a guest actually. And I said that too, because it is amazing. 
And I love that too, because I think this encourages, you know, we're encouraging the younger women listening. We're also encouraging the women who are going, wow, I don't know if God has anything left for me. You know, I'm of a certain age or I don't know what, you know, if I have anything that God wants me to do now, am I just going to be, you know, retired or, you know, is there still more for me? And there's always more, right, Ronnie? There's always Mm -hmm. more. As long as we have breath and we're still on this earth, we are here for a reason and a purpose. That's right. That's right. And there are disruptions along the way that you look back on. Yeah. You know, it would be nice if our clarity of vision for foresight and and nearsight was as great as hindsight, right? But we look back on moments that we thought were going to be the absolute end of us Mm -hmm. and look back and say, oh, wait, that wasn't the end. Yeah. And of us, in fact, that opened the door to a new chapter in the story that I didn't even know existed and wouldn't even thought had existed. Yeah. Well, that's a good word right there. Good word, sister. (laughs) This has just been a blast. I know. I've enjoyed it so much and I hope to have you on again sometime. I would love that. So yeah. And we'll be looking out for your website coming out. That's going to have even more resources Mm -hmm. and things. And I'll be sharing that with my subscribers and yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting this book into a lot of women's hands. <laughs> well, they can buy it wherever books are sold. I do have a discussion guide if they want to use it in a small group or like just for personal study. We've, we've got resources already out there just to mm-hmm. make it a little bit better and yeah. to deep dive a little bit more. So awesome. I, and I, I want to hear from people who read the book. I want to know yeah. how it's impacted your life. I want to know what questions it raise, raises in your life as well. Good deal. Well, thank you, friends. It's been so amazing. And I just love what the Lord is doing in your life and how you're walking in your fierce calling. And that I just pray that he will continue to abundantly bless you and your ministry and your family and all that he puts into your hands to do. So thank you so much, Ronnie. I pray the same for you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening today. I hope Ronnie's story inspired you and encouraged you to take some type of action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. I love the quote that she said in the show, every piece of your journey is a piece of a redemptive story that can change the story of somebody else. That is so true, friend. The things that we go through may feel thorny, as Ronnie said, but God uses it all. He doesn't waste any of it. There is a purpose and we can help others change their stories by using the gifts that God has given us to impact the world for his glory. Is God calling you to serve perhaps with orphan outreach or some other ministry to children or maybe women? Listen for his voice. Friend, he will never let you down. He is faithful. He will speak into your heart those things that he would want you to do for his glory and the furtherance of the kingdom. And when you're using your gifts, there is nothing like it. It is so fulfilling and fills us with such great joy. And I wouldn't want any of us to miss that. You can connect with Ronnie at ronnierock.com and you can also check out her site, onewomancanchangetheworld.com. Ronnie weaves themes of transformative hope and grace-filled leadership into everything she shares on page and stage. 
She is an award-winning marketing executive who travels around the world to gather words and images that inspire others to, to action with Orphan Outreach, which is a global nonprofit she talked about in the show. Like I always say, every woman of God has a fierce calling. We're called to disciple, especially younger women. So any tools that we can use are amazing. But always remember, we have the Holy Spirit empowerment within us. He is in us when we are in Christ. And He will give us the boldness to share the truth of God's Word that will set the captives free. I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's sharing where she's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week. And I'll talk to you soon.